Mets fans, I want to take a quick break from talking baseball and let you know about the next top prospect in building a smart home. Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is that big time new star prospect. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is a smart lock, a 2K resolution camera, and a doorbell. It's three devices in one, triple the security. You know triples are rare in baseball, but not with Eufy. You can have everything in one device rather than install many pieces on your front door. It's not just for security, but also for convenience. Just the other night, I had tons of packages in the rain. Rather than fumble for my keys, I easily entered my home. This is big since I have four dogs who are impatiently waiting for me at the door. No more concerns about losing keys, and you could assign passwords to your family members. Worried about when your loved ones are getting home? Eufy allows you to see them coming back home via the integrated camera. Hey Mets fans, this is a home run. I had a competitive product before Eufy, and it's the difference between a one-dimensional hitter and a five-tool player. Eufy is that five-tool superstar. Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com to learn more. Already sold? Go to Amazon and get your Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. Want to go to the store? Best Buy will have it starting around May 20th. Get complete control over your front door at ease with the Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Mets are amazing, 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 amazing. There's a fly ball hit out to left, waiting is Jones. The Mets are the world champion. Here's the one-two pitch. Check him out. Steve has 19 strikeouts. Swung on, hit on the ground towards first. It's another edition of the Mets Podcast here on this Tuesday, November the 27th, 2018. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia. And you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Welcome back, everybody. I'm throwing in another podcast short here on this Tuesday. I promise I'm working on a, on a full show. I'm working on a guest. I'm hoping to have something... And uh, have a, a spot before 
the winter meetings. But the reason why I'm coming to you, and, and I wasn't planning on doing something until the weekend, uh, but the rumor mill is a churning, and it looks like uh, post-Thanksgiving some things are starting to percolate. And uh, there was a little bit too much smoke around the rumor that came out earlier today or maybe late yesterday about not so much the Mariners shopping Robinson Cano. I think everybody knows that the Mariners are looking to cut payroll. They've already traded uh, their catcher. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they traded James Paxton, Mike Zunino, and James Paxton. And, and, and it looks like maybe they're not in full-blown Miami Marlins f- uh, fire sale, but they're in a fire sale nonetheless to a certain degree. And Robinson Cano falls into that. And when I initially heard that the Mets were interested, my initial reaction was yuck. Really yuck. Because guy was just suspended for PEDs. He's well north of, of 30. He's actually 35. I hadn't seen him play consistently. When you're out on the West Coast, especially when you're out in the Pacific Northwest, you might as well not even be in the United States. And from an East Coast baseball perspective, you just don't stay up. I personally don't spend a lot of time staying up to watch Seattle Mariners games. We're focused on the National League. We're focused on the National League East. We're focused on the Mets. So you kind of lose connection. Even if you play fantasy baseball or try to keep up with the league, you lose lose contact with uh, you know, really what's going on sometimes, uh, you know, you know, but you're not connected to it like you are with your National League East players and your National League players. So my first reaction was yuck, and I figured it was another speculative, speculative type of uh, hot stove rumor. Now, Andy Martino, who's been reporting a lot of the Noah Syndergaard trade interest and Really what it is, it's not that the Mets are aggressively shopping Syndergaard. They're just putting him out there and saying, what can we get? Has been reporting now on the Cano situation. And it seems like his reports indicate that the Mets are aggressively exploring it. Now, what's important to know with all these rumors, and it's been a big part of the reporting so far this year. And I don't know if it's a mindset change in the rumor mill or how these reporters want to cover themselves, but they're adding from information that they're sourced about what the Mets or the Mariners may be looking to do. They're adding what may be a little bit of their own opinion into that. So it's hard to say what the rumor has been and what I'm about to talk about, how real it is, other than there may be some smoke, or as John Heyman of FanCred said, there's smoke but not fire. But there's enough here for us to talk about. So like I said, was like, yuck, Robinson Cano, you know, really, what are the Mets thinking here? But I started to really dive into the details of the deal. So now it appears what the Mariners are trying to do is get rid of Cano, who's owed $24 million even across the board over the next five years. So you're looking at about $125 million over five years. Uh, they're looking potentially to attach a younger player, and some of the names that have come up are... Uh, you know, the closer, Edwin Diaz, which would be a huge coup for the Mets, uh, a really top-notch, maybe the best closer in baseball right now. Marco Gonzalez, a starting pitcher, mid-20s, uh, not as excited about him, but he's someone who could fill out the back half of the rotation, uh, potentially a left-hander, has some potential. And, and then an outfielder, Mitch Hanniger, which, believe it or not, the Mets actually drafted out of high school in 2009. He didn't sign. Um, you know, he wound up going... Uh, to Milwaukee and, uh, you know, later on in 2012 and um, and subsequently the Arizona Diamondbacks and then the uh, the, the Mariners. And uh, he was actually involved in a deal 
Uh, he was a deal. He was in the uh, 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 Segura trade uh, that they made back in uh, 2016. So uh, he's been around a couple of years. Got some power profiles as a corner outfielder, things like that. Now, the other part of that, which has been reported, is that the Mets would potentially want Seattle to take on Jay Bruce's contract. And uh, it, it validates a little bit that what I was hoping that Brody Van Wagenen would, would see is that I think the Mets are best as a team with Nimmo and Wright playing every day and Conforto and left and then figuring out some kind of solution in center, hopefully that involves a bit of defense. Now, Hanniger, although he uh, has played some center field, and uh, the metrics aren't kind to him uh, on center field, the defensive metrics, which you got to take with a grain of salt, uh, seems to be profiles more or most of his experience is as a corner player. So, you know, that might not fit in terms of, uh, you know, what they want to do in center, but he's a right-handed bat. Maybe he could complement and get uh, some time uh, if they were to acquire someone like him. Uh, because you have two lefties in the corners, uh, you know. But but ultimately, the deal starts out with Jay Bruce for Robinson Cano, and I want to go back to when I set up the off season and I talked about potentially the Mets going after, and why I'm changing my tune a little bit here, going after Robinson Cano. I'm going to put the PEDs aside for a minute because statistically he has been pretty good, even at the age of 35. I mean his numbers last year and the time he was out on the field. We're as good as they've ever been, uh, and, and most of it at his, at his career norms. So I can't really complain about that. But if you remember correctly, I said one of the things I'd like the Mets to do is to bring in Daniel Murphy. Um, and Murphy to be profiles more at the corners. A guy who could move around a little bit, hit a little bit, you know, potentially give you uh, some of a hedge at first base because it sounds like Van Wagenen is, 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 is high on Alonzo, and I think he should be. And, uh, you know, he may be looking for a lefty compliment to Alonzo for, you know, maybe some to spell or a veteran to spell him a little bit at first base. But And Murphy, to me, really fits that. However, if Cano is available, and it's debatable whether at this point in his career, you know, they're both careers intersect, or maybe they're similar hitters. But defensively, I think, Cano doesn't have a knee injury. He's not coming off a serious knee injury like Murphy. Offensively, Cano is always better, but Murphy has certainly closed the gap over the last couple of years. Uh, but I think Cano has played a little bit of third last year, a little bit of first. Again, I didn't see him enough. I know the metrics aren't kind to him, but there's not enough of a sample size for that to be relevant. Uh, you know, Cano could be your starting second baseman. He could maybe move around the field a little bit if you need him at third, and, and certainly if you need to give him some rest but you want to get his bat in the lineup, you could move him to first uh, and spell Alonzo a little bit if Alonzo winds up winning the job. Uh, you know, this is very interesting. This, you know, starts to percolate a little bit. This starts to make me think, well, you know, you're bringing in a guy uh, that's going to give you power, uh, plays a pretty good second base, now is starting to expand his game later in his career to play the corners, uh, was an all-star just a couple of years ago, uh, has been a gold glover, Yes, he had the PED suspension. However, uh, you know, long range, he had all those clean tests for 12, 13 years of his career. And what he did get suspended for was a masking agent, something that uh, apparently, from what I understand, is a drug that you or I could be prescribed by a, uh, a doctor. Now, he had the doctor down in the Dominican prescribe it. Um, you know, he did admit to taking it. Why is he using a masking agent? Who the heck knows? 
Um, I know there's been speculation because he was on the Yankees and he was friendly with uh, Milky Cabrera. He was friendly with A-Rod back in the day. Uh, you know, that there's maybe there's some smoke and fire there. Uh, but, you know, listen, uh, he played well enough last year, even when he came back. And I'm actually bring up his stats in a minute when he came back. Where I, I really don't think it was a situation where all of a sudden he came back and he fell off the cliff. Yeah, I mean, he was as good as ever in September, October. He had a, a 343 batting average, 930 OPS uh, at the end of the year. So you're getting yourself, hopefully, a very good offensive player. And you're really only increasing the payroll $10 million a year because Jay Bruce is scheduled to make $14 bucks. What you're really doing, and what may be part of this, or maybe part of the thinking by, by Brody Van Wagenen, is that... You're taking Jay Bruce, who right now doesn't fit. It's an awkward, clumsy fit. Jay Bruce doesn't really want to play first. Sure, he can be that lefty complement to Alonzo at first, but you're going to pay $14 million a year for Jay Bruce to probably only play a couple times a week. Uh, the plantar fasciitis in his foot scares the, the heck out of me. Uh, he played a lousy outfield last year. And most importantly, and I supported the Jay Bruce signing, so I'm going to say I was wrong. I figured it was a short-term deal for three years. The money was right. I really liked what I saw out of him uh, on his walk year. But, I, you know, clearly, and I guess that doesn't necessarily come up in a physical, the plantar fasciitis is an issue. But I also felt like he had a bit of warning track power last year. And what that could also indicate to me is that Bruce is just a tad bit slow. And if your bat slows down as a power guy, those balls that were making it over the fence all of a sudden die at the warning track and you become less effective out there that's a concern you know as far as I know that's not an issue of Robinson Cano now I know what everyone's saying well you know the Mets need to go out they need to go out and get Machado this is not the big move this is not the big player I've heard some people call into talk radio and compare it to Mo Vaughn guys slow down I know you got a lot of PTSD on this whole you know Mets bringing in older players and I certainly my first reaction was that but there's nothing in his game statistically over the course of the last few years, and he didn't have a great 2016, but it wasn't bad, that tells me this guy can't play. And he's playing second base. Now, there is a concern at 35, how much of a step is he going to lose uh, playing second base? Uh, but, you know, overall, Van Wagenen has represented him, uh, along with Rock Nation. He was one of the guys that helped get him that big contract in, uh, with Seattle. He probably knows him really well. Uh, I have faith that he's going out there and he's uh, doing due diligence. Can this guy give? You know, he's got five years left on the deal, so that's a big deal. The guy's going to get paid till he's forty, but at some point, you know, if he's athletic enough, uh, you know, does he get a first baseman's mitt and he's able to play the corners and get out of the middle infield and still contribute later in his career? And how much post Bruce? And that's the real key, because right now, you know. You could probably get Seattle to work something out. Or you, Seattle might say, hey, you know, part of this deal, if we're going to give you uh, Diaz, who would be the real coup of the deal, uh, is you got to take on a little extra payroll for us because we need to save some money in the next couple of years, and Bruce allows us to do that. But what about after Bruce is supposed free agent? You don't want the Mets to pick up the whole $24 million. That's where all of a sudden, in the later part of his career, you're not paying because Robbie Cano is probably not going to be a full-time player in three or four years. If he is, God bless him. You're not paying $24, $25 million. You tell the Mariners to pick up 50% of it or a little bit more of that, or maybe you do some kind of sliding scale. Having an agent as a GM helps a lot because I'm sure that's something he's going to be able to negotiate and figure out 
And hopefully, I think one of the reasons why they hired him was because he's going to be able to manage the payroll and not put the Mets in a bad situation two, three, four, five years down the road. You don't want to make yourself forget about tomorrow. You want to be responsible uh, so that you have flexibility because you don't know what the team's needs are or where they're going to be in three, four, five years. And something like this could hamstring them. So, But to me, there's really not a lot of negatives. When you're talking about swapping a Bruce for a Cano, I think as much as there's still a risk because of Cano's age, and the only other part of that risk is Cano to me has always come across as a sleepy player. And I don't know if that's what I want the Mets to incorporate because one of the things I want them to do is have energy and have grinders, and McNeil really showed that. Uh, You have Nimmo who has a lot of energy. Alonzo seems to have a really great attitude. You want to continue to incorporate players in here that are – high energy, professional, you know, go out there and really put everything out there in a focus and a determination every day. Mickey Calloway's talked about culture. I'm guessing that they've put their due diligence on there. And look, this is a guy who played a long time for the Yankees. And the Yankees punted on signing him after 2013 because that was a big contract. And I think the Yankees, after A-Rod, especially because that's in the midst of all the A-Rod steroid nonsense, they were like, I'm going to give another guy into his 40s a contract and be stuck paying this tab towards the back end of this, which is essentially what's happening to Seattle. And the Mets could be the beneficiary because you don't want to pay a guy with 20, 38, 39, 40, 24, 25 million dollars. Mets aren't going to have to if the Mariners are going to pay a big, big portion of that. And 10, 12 million dollars for a veteran bat that could probably still hit uh, is not a bad deal. Now, that's if you're just looking in the vacuum one for one. I think the other part of this and where you may be even more inclined to take on a Cano is if you could pull off bringing in the closer. Now, Edwin Diaz, again, a guy out in the Pacific Northwest. I'm not watching a ton of him. Uh, He was on my fantasy team, so I know the guy's good for whatever that counts to you guys. High strikeout guy. We're talking about 15 strikeouts per nine innings. When you're north of 10 is normal these days. Everybody's doing 8, 9, 10 these days. Everyone's striking everyone out. When you're in the 15 range... That means you're in the elite. 15 per nine and and walking two batters per nine. It's not like you're walking like K-Rod when he was doing 13, 14. K-Rod was walking three, four, five batters per nine innings. Those are insane numbers. That's way too many walks. That's good command. That's good control. Uh, he's not allowing runners on base. He's getting swings and misses. And that's what you want out of your closer. You want to lock these games down. And how do you lock games down? Nobody makes contact. When nobody makes contact more than likely you're going to win because they're not going to get on base and you're not going to even have the threat of an error or the old, did you get B-A-B-I-P? Did you get to the batting average on ball in play? Did the ball take a bad bounce? So, you know, to me, that's the win here. Would Seattle do this? Ah, That's the real tough question. A closer or an elite closer like Diaz probably could fetch them a decent deal out there. But at the end of the day, what's most important? Uh, if they're in rebuilding mode, if they're rebuilding and they're in this fire sale thing, uh, and if finances are important, you may have to suck it up and say, look, I have this elite closer. I really want to get Cano off the books. I want to save money. Uh, I don't want to pay as much uh, in years, that, you know, three, four, five years after the, uh, you know, let's say they take on a salary like Bruce. You know, maybe the Mets will pick up more in those latter years. And the way we sell them on that is like, we're giving you Diaz. Now, are the Mets going to have to give up something of value out of their farm system, a prospect, I'm guessing they do. I don't know how they view some of the top 10. A Jimenez, a Justin Dunn, a Peterson, an Anthony K. I'd be careful about giving up arms. Um, 
I'd be curious what they think and what they would do and what they would attach to it. Um, but overall, assuming that there's not too much pain or too much craziness attached to it with respect to a prospect or a guy on the big league club, I think you got to really consider this deal. And I know this is crazy because I know what you're saying. There's some of you out there saying, oh, my God, where have you gone, Mike? Uh, are you trying to advocate for the Mets taking a step back? Are you advocating for the Mets uh, to do another move? And I know what some of you are already saying. Manny Machado, why don't they just go after Machado? I'm telling you guys, I'm going to sit here and tell you this. You don't want to sign a guy to a 10-year deal. If you, were, if you were telling me Robbie Cano from five years ago and the Mets were interested in him, and I remember having this dialogue on uh, Champions Radio, ESPN Radio, Long Island, when I had that show, that weekend watchdog morning show there. I was not in favor of giving him a 10-year deal. I am not in favor of signing guys to 10-year deals. And normally with a Manny Machado, I would be. But a guy who has a serious knee history problem, has had some questionable ethic, uh, work ethic uh, issues when it comes to what you've heard about him with hustling, uh, a guy who's a dirty player, a guy who you know what, if he's going to continue to be a dirty player, he's eventually going to get himself hurt, and a guy who's got a bad knee, uh, and let's face it, had a bit of a, a career year to date, what you saw over the last uh, you know 12 months. Uh, you know Cano has been a consistent offensive player. And also, by the way, Cano has been a better offensive player in his career than Manny Machado on a consistency basis. So you are getting Manny Machado. You're not getting him at 26. You're getting an offensive player who, to me, can be the equal of Manny Machado in a lot of ways. Does not play the elite shortstop position. Defensively, he's not playing a gold glove third base. Uh, can't be an elite shortstop, so there is more of a value at Machado. But look at it that way. And again, I know you might be laughing. You say you're apologizing. Uh, you're trying to rationalize it. I do not believe signing Manny Machado to a 10-year deal makes financial sense. I also don't think it makes sense for Bryce Harper. Those guys, to me, they are very, very good players. They are not worth committing to 10 years. 10 years is a long time, and the back end of those contracts are real hell. You're seeing the Seattle Mariners and what they're trying to do here. You want to keep contracts short. You don't necessarily yeah, – you can't – you don't. You can compete next year, and it doesn't necessarily require you to sign one of those two players. So that's real important. And I also want to offer you context and perspective. I'll wrap up with this point because it's real important to get the context and perspective when it comes to reporting. The Atlanta Braves signed Brian McCann and Josh Donaldson, and they were all. I haven't heard anybody really. Maybe Joel Sherman a little bit in his column in the New York Post, uh, cr- not criticize it, but give you some of the caveats. Everybody loves the deal. Josh Donaldson has had a bunch of injuries, including shoulder injuries, which are, last I looked, when you play third base, a death knell. Uh, He played well for Cleveland down the stretch after he was traded, but it's been about two years since Josh Donaldson has really been the player that the name brings up. Josh Donaldson, the name, he has not been an elite offensive player in a couple of years. Brian McCann is more of a clubhouse guy, part-time catcher, you know, local guy, you know, he's a good guy to have in your club, but he's not the Brian McCann that signed the contract with the Yankees five years ago. He's not that guy. Those are good component pieces. Now, Donaldson could be more than that, but at his age, there's no guarantee. If the Mets made that move, believe me, there'd be a lot of skepticism. Well, look at the Mets, they're signing these old players, and what makes them think that Donaldson, even though he had a nice little run there with Cleveland, uh, will be, uh, you know, back to the old Donaldson. They're signing a guy past his prime. But the Braves do it, and it's great. So to me, it's real important 
to look in context. You can throw cold water on just about anything. What the Mets are doing or exploring it with the situation with Robinson Cano and the Mariners is really no different than what the Braves are doing or have done with Josh Donaldson. It's just going to cost them a little bit more. There's a big, bigger commitment. Donaldson's a one-year commitment. But perhaps there's a way you can bridge the gap, make it where if you do get, still get an Edwin Diaz, still get something of value. Uh, you don't have to be irresponsible financially in the back half or the last three, four, you know, years three, four, five on the Cano contract. So at the beginning, I said, yuck to Robbie Cano. Do not do not Robbie Cano. I go think about, you know, oh my God, John Sterling came to my mind with the, what, Robbie Cano, what do you know? Don't do Robbie Cano. Don't bring Robbie Cano to Flushing. Uh, upon further review, as more I look at it, seeing some of the names that Seattle might be willing to attach, especially the fact they're willing to give a closer, an elite closer, it's something I think you definitely need to consider. Consider it seriously. And I'm looking forward to, as uh, the next uh, few days and and weeks into the winter meetings uh, transpire, what could happen. Because I'm a lot more excited about potentially acquiring a Robbie Cano and improving the offense than I am about anything I hear about what teams are willing or not willing to do when it comes to trading Noah Syndergaard. Not, as I said in the last podcast, I'm not as uh, pumped about that. And I will continue to say the Mets should not trade any of their starting pitching. And that includes, if it needs to be part of making this deal happen, because then it changes uh, the the whole complexity or the whole uh, appetite I have for this kind of situation. But right now, that doesn't seem to be the case based on the reports that are out there. Hey, uh, that'll be it. Wanted to jump in, give my two cents on the Robbie Cano rumors. Hope you enjoyed this uh, short, this uh, Talking Mets short. Of course, you can check me out all the time at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can give the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. If you could rate me on iTunes, leave me a review. Very much appreciated. As of today, four to five stars on iTunes. That's very appreciated by you guys. I'm glad you enjoyed the show. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. I'll be back with another Talking Mets podcast over the weekend. Talk to you soon, everyone. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. 
To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.